Ladies and gentlemen, so I discussed it late, uh, earlier. Right now, we'd like to uh, introduce you to an incredible person. Her name is Ann Dorn. Her husband, Captain David Dorn, was murdered. He was a police captain. He was retired. But because of his love to protect the community and that sense of responsibility during the riots of 2020, he went out to try to protect a business where an alarm had tripped off. This business was owned by his friends 10 minutes away from the house. And it was there that he ran into looters, and those looters took his life. Mrs. Dorn, thank you for joining us. Appreciate the fact that this is, must be very difficult for you. Well, thank you for having me, James. You said in your article, you wrote an op-ed for Fox News, and you say in your article, in this op-ed piece, that your husband of 14, 16 years, you were married for 14 years after you met him. You had a long relationship. We were, we were together for 30 years. We were married for 16 of those years. And you said that he became a police officer because he believed in superheroes. Can you explain yeah, as that? A kid, as a kid, he always wanted to be a superhero. He just, you know, he loved comic books. He loved all that coming up as a kid. And, you know, and his dad was a reserve officer in the city of St. Louis. And that's what he's always wanted to be was a police officer his entire life. You guys met while you were working in a retail store, correct? Yes, we did. Yeah, we were working at what is now Macy's. It was famous and more in the city of St. Louis, yes. We worked together there and uh, developed a friendship. And um, over time, that friendship bloomed into a relationship and love. And he's the one who talked me into becoming a police officer. So both of you were police officers. He retired. And here come the riots. And you say in this article, in your op-ed, you say that he wanted to join the police police force because he was. He believed he was a superhero. But you also say there are yeah. super villains out here. Can you explain yeah. what you mean by that? There are truly evil people out there that want nothing more than to hurt other people and to take from other people. Um, they don't want to work for what they have. They have no morals. They have no moral compass in their life to do what's right. And I believe those are the super villains. And, and you know, there's just – it's just – true evil you know you you can't have good without evil and there is true evil out there what happened tell us what happened to your husband um that night i had worked i I was still working at that time and i had worked and i'd gotten home at 8 p.m we were working 12-hour shifts and the riots had turned they were peaceful all day and they had turned and you saw we saw them reorganizing and we saw um you know, with intel that we had, we knew that Black Lives Matter was planning all this stuff. It was all online. They were online um, communicating with each other, and our intel was watching that. And uh, we knew they were reorganizing. And I had gotten home, and I was still keeping up with it. And um, we knew they had set the 7-Eleven on fire. We knew they had started looting places. Um, I had to go to bed because I was, had to be up early in the morning. And I got a phone call around 11, 12 o'clock at night saying that four of my policemen had been shot trying to protect the firemen who were trying to put out fires. And uh, I, I went and told Dave um, what had happened. He was down in the basement watching TV, so he wouldn't disturb me. 
and I told him what had happened, and I told him I was going to be going in even earlier um, to take care of those officers because I was the mental wellness coordinator at that time for the officers. So I was taking care of their trauma counseling, and uh, I informed him what was happening that it escalated into more violence. And I went back to bed, and Dave, in the op-ed, Dave had answered those calls for 30 years. As long as I'd known Dave, David had always answered the alarm calls at, at least Pawn and Jewelry. And every time he'd always gone, he, he'd wake me up to say, hey, I'm running to Lee's. And that night, he didn't wake me up. Um, I didn't know until after everything was said and done that he got the call between 2 and 2.30 that the alarms were going off at Lee's. Apparently, the police were dispatched originally, and the crowd dispersed, but the crowd came back after the police left. And that's when Dave got the second call because apparently they had now gained entry into the building. Um, and Dave responded without waking me up. And, and about, um, and from what I understand from people on the scene, he was talking to the, the, the young men there telling them it's not worth it. You know, anything of value is locked up in a vault. Um, you might get a couple of silver chains, you might get a used TV, uh, but there's nothing in there worth of any value to steal. Uh, they would have given them money. If they were out there stealing because they needed pampers or food for their family, he would have given them money to, to buy this for their families. Um, but to steal just to steal, he wasn't going to have it. And he was talking to them. And this young man came out of the came out of the business and um, said something to him um, and walked about 10 paces away from him, turned around and fired 10 times at David, striking him four times, um, one fatally in the chest. You got the call? Um, I got a knock on the door. Um, Four o'clock in the morning, my doorbell was going off. um, And they were knocking on the door loudly. They they knew I was home sleeping. Um, I was yelling for David to answer the door because normally he'd be there answering the door. I didn't know he was gone. And I didn't put it all together. And I answered the door and there was the chief of police with two commanders standing at my door. And the first thing I asked him was, where's Dave? You know, like he was supposed to know where he was, you know. Um, and that's when he told me David was dead. Those were his exact words. He goes, yeah, David's dead. And he, he was crying himself. Uh, he was a, Dave was a mentor to Chief Hayden. And Chief, and, and Chief Hayden had come up under Dave as a commander. Um, so Dave was very well respected amongst our, in our, not only our department, but the entire community. So, um, to have the chief there crying and telling me David was dead, I knew it was, it was real. So it was, it came as a very, um, I was in shock. This is about all I can say about that. I was, I was in a lot of shock at that moment. You say that Dave was not really <clears throat> a fan of, I guess, for lack of a better word, of Black Lives Matter. Dave was black, by the way. Yes, he was. And he yeah. said that one of the reasons that he could not support this movement was because they weren't doing anything to help black people that he could tell. Exactly. Exactly. That summer and the summer before, we had lots of children killed in our community. And, you know, one was very close at heart to me. We had a young man, Xavier, um, up in North City. He was murdered. And I did a lot of community projects. And Xavier was one of the children I worked with. And Xavier was gunned down. Um, he caught a stray bullet. And not once did Black Lives Matter come to his family or uh, to help them anyway. There was no protest. There was never any protest, you know, in lieu of our children being murdered. There was no protest of any kind 
you know, of children being murdered. It was always a, a white officer on a black individual. It was, you know, a black officer on a black individual, sometimes maybe, but it was usually, they always wanted to look for a racist spin on it. Um, and, you know, they, they never gave it back to the communities anywhere. Anytime there was any type of riot, you know, with Michael Brown riots or any of the other riots throughout the communities within the country, not once did you... Yeah, not once. And this is after, by the way, BLM raised over a billion dollars in total from American corporations. Did we lose her? Did we lose you? I think we lost the line. Let's try to get her back. Let's do this. Let's go for a break, and let's try to get Mrs. Dorn back. And we will uh, <clears throat> we'll rejoin Mrs. Dorn if we can. I want to wrap this up, but I want you to hear from Mrs. Dorn's mouth, who she believes some of the villains in this story are. James Golden, a.k.a. Bo Snurdly, we're here. Bo Snurdly's Rush Hour will be back. Mrs. Dorn, thank you for, for, for coming back with us. I read a lot of your, I, I read a lot of your, your op-ed, but what I didn't mention was uh-huh. what happened to the person that murdered your husband. There was a trial. And there what, was recently. Yes. What was the result? Um, he was found guilty on all six charges. Murder first, armed criminal action, robbery, burglary. Uh, we are very thankful for the jury that found him guilty. And what will happen to him? Um, sentencing is September 13th, and the minimum sentence for him on just the murder charge is life in prison without parole. So we're hoping they give him the max on everything. He's he's a convicted felon, um, three times. Two time I know of convicted felon of two prior robbery firsts and never served a day in jail for him. So here we are again. Another person that has been committing multiple crimes. This time he murdered your husband. And yes. it is only now that he will pay a price for his criminal behavior. And I heard you expressing sympathy for his family. Yeah, I mean, nobody wins in this. You know, his mother, his mother's losing her son now. You know, um, so nobody wins when this happens. You know, someone goes to jail or, you know, they lose their life. All Both families suffer. You know, um, I don't know what went wrong in his childhood or his life that, that drove him to do this, you know, but, you know, it's still a mother regardless of how she raised her child. I have to ask you a difficult question to end our interview. Are you optimistic or pessimistic now about when you look out and you see things? I mean, you see what's happening to not just St. Louis, you've identified a problem that is happening in every single major city in America, including New York, including yeah. Detroit, Los Angeles, San Francisco. It looks as if it's falling apart everywhere with these repeat criminals let loose on the streets to prey on innocent people. Your family has suffered because of this. What yeah, do you? I believe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, I cut you off. I believe. I'm a very pessimistic about this. I believe that, um, you know, Judge George Soros is funding these prosecutors that are taking office, and I believe they're looking at some kind of new world order, and they're starting by destroying these major cities from the inside out and allowing all these criminals to go. And, you know, with just lawlessness, you know, I refer to it as the purge. There's just, there's going to be, it's going to come a time where citizens are just going to have to stand up for themselves, unfortunately, and we're going to have to take back our, our communities. And until people are fed up with what's happening, it's going to be the same. And the citizens have to vote. They have to get out there and vote for the right people. And, you know, 
we have to get a sense of community back. We just can't let people take over our society and do what they want to do. Has it been difficult for you? A lot of people that have would have experienced it, experienced what you have experienced. Would I guess the grief would have just paralyzed them in a way. Yet here you are speaking out. What do you intend to do from this point? And this op-ed that you wrote is brilliant. What are you? Thank what you. What is your life going to be like as you look into the future now? Um, I vowed to my officers, you know, I was a sergeant for, for many years. I was with the police department 28 years, and I vowed to my officers to always be their voice. And, you know, a lot of policemen across the country can't speak out to the wrongdoings going on in their agencies and how they're being destroyed from the inside out as well. And um, I vowed to be their voice and to speak up for them and to speak up for victims. You know, just not my family suffered. Before David's trial happened, um, our prosecutor, Kim, Kim Gardner, has re- had released already four murderers because she didn't have anybody to prosecute or she just didn't feel the need to prosecute them. So those are families now going without justice and four murderers back on the streets to, to harm other people and, and to ruin other people's lives. So I'm going to continue to speak out. You know, I've turned my anger into this and um, this is what I'm going to do with it. You know, I'm going to, to bring something good out of, out of a tragedy that we've had to suffer. I'd like you to stay in touch with this program. We'd like to help you raise your voice any way possible. Thank you for joining us, Mrs. Dorn. I appreciate you so much. Thank you.